0: Great to have you in the house of the Lord today, and you know, one thing that we've been putting in our bulletin, and I just want to draw your attention to, is the fact that week eight of 2024 is gone. Just like that. So what have you done for the gospel's sake in these first eight weeks? And more importantly, what are you going to do this next week that makes a difference? Something to consider. Well, I tried to get tricked this morning. They said, what we want you to preach on is how come wives make the rules, but they don't have to follow them, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not that stupid. (laughs) So So this morning, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 62, Psalm 62. As you're turning there to Psalm 62, I just want to take us back in time, maybe just a little bit. And I want us to think about a game that many of us have played when we were little, and some of you even know and play today, and that's the game of Red Light, Green Light. So this morning, the title of my sermon is Red Light, Green Light. And if we think about Red Light, Green Light, and how does that work, we understand that, now we can't play it because there's no running in church, all right? So we're not going to do that. But we are going to go through the rules just a little bit of how Red Light, Green Light works. So if we're playing red light, green light, obviously, you all would line up in the back of the church. I would turn my back, and when I said red, uh, green light, what would you do? Run. When I said red light, what would you do? Stop. Absolutely. So green light means run. Red light means stop. But what happens when I say red light, and you don't stop? You've got to go all the way back, right, and start over again. So you've got to go back to the starting line, and you start over again. So if we think about a strategy, how do I win at red light, green light? Do I win at red light, green light when the light says go, I just barrel straight ahead? No, probably not. Because in the process of the game, there's going to be a red light. Now, I need to be keen and hear that red light. Because if I hear red light, what does that mean i got to do? Stop! Stop. However, if I don't stop and I go forward, that means i got to go all the way back to the starting line and start all over again. So if we think about red light, green light, obviously we would say, you know, the strategy there is being able to obey and listen. The strategy there is not in the going. The strategy is not even so much in the stopping. It's the waiting in between. And that's the thing we struggle with the most, isn't it? You see, as a society, as we think about the type of people that we are, we're a go kind of people. I mean, think about how crazy hectic your life can be. Think about all the things that you're running to and from. And, you know, we get so distracted. And and sometimes we are so distracted on the go, 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 go. We're not even listening for the stop. But just because you're running, and just because you're going, does that mean you're going in the right direction? Not all the time. Not all the time. You know, back in April, I preached a message, and it was entitled, No Shortcuts with God. And the verse that we utilized then was out of Psalm 46 in verse 10, and it said, Be still and know that I'm God. And I just can't get away from that thought, and that's kind of where we're going back to this morning. So if we turn our attention this morning to Psalm 62, it's that idea of waiting. And so as we see the Psalm of David there in Psalm 62, David pens this, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain all of you as a bowing wall shall ye be and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies, they bless with their mouth but they curse inwardly. Selah. Now pay attention to these next verses here, beginning in verse 5. My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie to be laid in the balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God hath spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongeth unto God, also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work." So right in the middle there, we see an idea from David. We see a concept from David, and he says there again in verse 5, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Now if we think about that, and we think about that desire to wait upon God, and we think about the idea of red light, green light, The winning is in the waiting. That's how you win. That's how you win. It's in the waiting. Now, when's the last time you played red light, green light? Y'all are looking like, oh, it's been a long time. You're lying. You played red light, green light as early as this morning or yesterday. I guarantee it. Because the reality is this. Every decision that we make is really a game of red light, green light. Every decision that we make is a game of red light, green light. Here's the problem. We think that we're the ones calling the shots in terms of go and stop. Red light, green light's not played that way. It's played by us submitting to that who's calling the shots. And in our Christian life, the person who's calling the shots is God the Father. So as he's calling the shots, and he knows exactly where we're running, even though his back may be, seem to be to us, when he says go, we heed the go. But when he says stop, what does that mean? Stop. That means stop. Every decision that we make, put in that perspective, is a game of red light, green light. Think about the things that you say. Do you ever say something and you wish you hadn't said it? All the time. Do you ever do something and you wish you hadn't have done it? All the time. Do you ever find yourself in a situation and you say, how did I get here? What am I doing here? Those are games of red light, green light. But you see, we get so busy on the go, go, go that we never stop to listen. And if we don't hear the stop, we'll never gain the weight. And that's where your Christian life is won. It's in the weight. Think about that. Let's think about it in terms of go. If if we say go and we think about life as go, we like that, right? I mean, that's smooth sailing. I'm, I'm going. This is where I need to go. So if we th- think about that green light, what does it look like? How do I know if I'm heeding what God would have me to do from a green light perspective? Well, I think Hebrews sums it up in a great way. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20 and 21, it says this. It says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, God's desire is to make us perfect in every good work to do his will. According to our own power? No. It says according to what he did through the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. God did not send his son Jesus to die on the cross in vain. God sent his son Jesus to make a way for us to live our Christian life in accordance to his will. So what does it look like to be a green light from God? What does it look like when God says go? Well, I think there's some common things that we can see when God says go. The first of those is when God says go, it's always, always gonna align with scripture. God will never tell you to go in any direction that's contrary to his word. But how many times do we get ahead and we say, hey, God, this is what I've already got planned, so won't you just come on and catch up with me up here? Well, did you heed my word? Did you look in my word? Did you try to understand what my word says about that? Well, no, but everybody else is doing it. So if everybody else is going, I'm going to go too. That's how I win the game. The faster I go, the better I can get to the finish line. That's not how you win the game. You win the game by being obedient. If God says go, you'll know it'll align with Scripture. Not only will it align with Scripture, but if God says go, he's going to change your circumstances. He's going to change your circumstances. You know, many times we find ourselves in life almost complaining when a circumstance change. You know what? If we're being what God would have us to be, look at that and ask God, God, what are you trying to do here? What is you trying to do in the midst of this circumstance? Don't look at the negativity of the change of the circumstance, but ask God, what direction are you want me to go in? He may be protecting you from something that you don't even realize, and you won't realize it until you get a little further down the road. So if we have a change in circumstance, it very well could be that God's just saying, hey, I want you to go, but I want you to go in a different direction. Not only will it always align with Scripture, not only will our circumstances change, But it's going to be confirmed in prayer and through others. That doesn't need to be our primary thing there, is that prayer and what others say or think. What matters most is what God says. But still yet, if it's in line with what God would have us to do, we can rest assured that we're going to seek counsel and find that same counsel that will lead us in that direction. And although we may be nervous, you know what right feels like. You know what it feels like. It's that settled peace that you get. Don't discount that settled peace that comes. You know, the Bible reminds us, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. If you're uneasy about something and you don't have a settled peace about it, guess what? That's stop and wait. Stop and wait. are you going to win the game? You're going to win the game by just being obedient. He'll tell you to go when it's time to go, but right now it's just stop and wait. You see, so many times we can get ahead of that. What's the goal look like? The goal, again, is aligned with scripture. We may see our circumstances change. It's confirmed in prayer and others, but it's right. It's right. Maybe not right from all the circumstantial evidence and what I'm seeing, but I know in my heart it's right. God confirms in our heart that it's right. What about stop? Stop. If I hear the word stop, then I know right off the bat, I can pretty much rest assured it's going to be contrary to God's word. Stop is anything that pulls us away from God and not towards him. Stop is when that conviction comes. Praise the Lord for conviction. Praise the Lord for him showing us when we shouldn't be doing it. I am so thankful for that. Matthew chapter 16 beginning in verse 24, it says this. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here what shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom." As we look at that, it begins and it says this, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Isn't that all the Lord wants is just for us to follow him? He says, I just want you to follow me. Now let's talk about stop for just a second. Stop. We can equate that to sin. And, and it's easy to say that the thou shalt not are pretty clear, right? Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. All those things are pretty clear. We know that those are stops. But you remember where we started? We said in the game of red light, green light, and it happens all the time. So if you've ever watched kids play red light, green light, you say green light, and they take off pew, as fast as they can. They're going. And you say red light and you've got two or three that are going to stop but when they stop, what do they do? They dramatically, you know, they try to fall and just get a couple more steps ahead of that. That is exactly what we do in our Christian life. When God says stop, instead of stopping and waiting, what do we do? I hear the stop but if I can dramatically get a couple steps ahead, then I'm going to be a little bit better off. When I dramatically try to get a couple steps ahead, where am I going? Towards the finish line or back to the start? Back to the start. That's the rules of the game, right? I didn't make up the rules. That's the rules of the game. You win in the wait. You win in the wait. Wait! See what God says. See, I can be going, and when I hear stop, I'm going to stop. But then when he says go again, then I can go. I'm going to get there a lot faster than I get all dramatic and try to fall and do everything else. Now, I'm going to share with you a very practical application of this. And it's something I read, and it, it kind of holds true. But I want you to think about this, and I want you to think about it for your personal circumstance. And what I'm going to read is not some horrible, heinous sin, not anything that's, you know, oh my goodness, they should have stopped. But it's a response to when God says no, yet you do it anyway. That's where the problem comes in. So I found this, and it's a mother's account, but I think it's something that we can all relate to. This mother writes this. She said, I've known for several years that God said no to my photography business. But taking pictures wasn't a real sin. I wasn't getting drunk or cheating on my husband. And I liked photography and people seemed to like my work, so I pursued it anyway. But it's funny what happens when you do something after God has said no. It might become very difficult and you have to work way too hard. You might begin to even hate it when it was something you really liked to begin with or he might take it away from you altogether. He will get your attention. He will continue to convict you. Just because you pulled a four-year-old and folded your arms and poked out your lips and stomped your foot and acting like you didn't hear him doesn't mean that God gives up. He is God, and he said no. If you move forward anyway, you do so at your own risk and in complete defiance of him. But it's just photography. You say it's just something to do for fun. True. But I tried to push beyond that. I tried to act like my own outside of God's sovereignty. I tried to make it what I wanted it to be. She goes on and writes, See, I thought that I would be a photographer when her daughter went back to school. I'd worked up a nice side business while I was at home with my kids, and I thought I could build up to that point. It would be my full-time job so I wouldn't have to go back to work. But she said, The Lord said no. She said, It honestly took me several years to let go. I kept holding on to little bits and pieces of it. I almost completely stopped doing weddings but kept doing regular sessions. Then I slowed way down to regular sessions, but in the end, God had made it clear the answer was no. The answer was not, you can do other stuff, just not weddings. The answer was not, you can do a few sessions a month to make extra money. The answer was not, you can keep working with your past clients, just don't take on new ones. The answer was no, not at all, none, stop it now. Taking pictures, was it a sin? No. Making extra money, was it a sin? No. But continuing to do something that God told you not to do is a sin. You know, if we think about that practical application, how many times does that describe us? How many times has God said, Stop. Don't do that. I don't care how innocent it might seem. The answer is no. Yet what do we do? We do it anyway. We just go back to the game of red light, green light. We hear the stop. But if I can just (laughs) fumble a few steps ahead, maybe I'll just do it anyway. Maybe I'll get to a position of winning. You know what it is? To do something that God says not to do is sin. If it pulls you away from God, and if God has a reason for telling you no, trust his sovereignty. Just know that no means no. You don't have to understand the whole big picture. Just trust that he said no. Now we're going to change directions just a little bit. We're praying red light, green light. Green light means go. How do I know if it's God saying go? Because it's going to align with Scripture. How do I know if it's God that says go? It's because my circumstances are going to change. How do I know if it's God says go? Because it's going to be confirmed through others, through prayer. How do I know if it's God says go? It's because I'm going to know in my heart because I've got to settle peace about it. That's how you know. But when God says stop, stop means stop. But what's the excuse? When you get a group of kids playing, and they're playing red light, green light, and it's stop, but that one fumbles forward, trying to get just a little bit forward, in order to stay in the game, what do they say? It was a mistake, I didn't mean to. Let me just stay. I didn't mean to fall, it was a mistake there. You see, that's how we handle a lot of sin in our life. We say it's a mistake. No, it's not. It's sin. Period. Period. It's sin. You know what a mistake is? A mistake is turning the wrong way down a one-way street. You know what a mistake is? A mistake is, oh my goodness, I put sugar in my coffee and I didn't mean to do that. You know what a mistake is? A mistake is calling a phone number and hitting the wrong number and getting the wrong number on the opposite end. A mistake is maybe mistyping something and so you got a misspelled word. Those are mistakes. A mistake is an error in judgment, but the key to it being a mistake, it is unintentional. Do you know what sin is? It's intentional. Don't call it a mistake. Call it a sin. You see, the problem that we have is that we don't call sin sin. And if you're not going to call sin, sin, then I can promise you this. You're not going to deal with sin like God says deal with sin. And then we wonder, how come I got in such a mess? How come I'm not winning in this game of life? God said go, and I was so busy going in the direction he told me to go, I didn't even hear the stop. And if I did hear the stop, it wasn't a real sin. I can get a few more steps in there and then say, it was a mistake. Will you ever repent of a mistake? No. Will you repent of a sin? The answer is yes. Listen. How many, well, we've all heard it. How sick do you get of hearing politicians, public figures, standing before the people they represent, or a massive audience and say, I hope you all can forgive me, I made a mistake. I cheated on my wife with a 20-year-old. It was a mistake. It was not a mistake. It was an intentional sin. How do we deal with sin? How do we deal with sin? How do you get right with God so that you can play red light, green light as he intends? Take your Bible and flip back just a couple of pages to Psalm 51. Psalm 51, in my mind is David rightly dealing with sin. You see, when God says stop, and we stumble those few steps forward, don't call it a mistake. Call it what it is. Call it a sin. And say, Lord, forgive me. Look what David says there in Psalm 51. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. He's saying, you know what, Lord? It wasn't a mistake. It's a transgression. That word transgression means I stepped over a boundary. It comes from the same word for trespass, I did something I shouldn't have done. I stepped way over that boundary that I've been given there. Verse 2, he says, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my, does he say mistake? No, he says my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. And can I just tell you something? When we ask true repentance of God, don't be generic. God doesn't want us to be generic. Be specific. Be specific. Lord, forgive me for saying this in this circumstance. I know I shouldn't have said it, but I said it, and Lord, forgive me for that. Lord, forgive me for allowing my eyes to look on what it shouldn't have looked at. I know I shouldn't have done it, but I did it, and Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of that. Lord, forgive me for finding myself in a circumstance when you convicted me to share the gospel with that person. And I didn't do it. And when I walked out of there, I knew immediately I'd missed that opportunity. Forgive me of that. You see, the reality is this. Anything God tells us to do and we don't do, it's a sin. Call it what it is. Call it what it is. He says, cleanse me from my sin. Verse 3. For I acknowledge that my transgressions... And my sin is ever before me. It's not going anywhere. You can't live a victorious Christian life until you deal with sin appropriately and correctly. How foolish it is to think I can have an abundant Christian life and everything be perfect when you've got unconfessed sin in your life. It's just not possible. You know, think about it just a second. Why aren't you the Christian that you want to be? It's because you choose to be the Christian that you are. Why isn't our church the church that God intends it to be? It's because we choose to be the Christians that we are. Think about it. If we would truly get right with God and deal with sin instead of calling it a mistake but a sin, look what could happen if we would just all have a right heart before a holy God. It be amazing what God could do. This is my favorite part, though, of the whole thing. Look what it says in verse 4. David says this, Against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. See, David didn't try to blame it on somebody else. He didn't say, well, the kid running beside me pushed me. He didn't say, well, my shoe came untied and that's why I stumbled forward. He didn't say, well, it was because of my upbringing or this or mama didn't feed me breakfast so I didn't have my power wheaties to be able to do what I needed to do. He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. God, I sinned against you and you alone. He says in verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's all God desires. That's all he wants. Be honest. It's not a mistake. It's a sin. Be honest. When you sin, be specific about that sin. And be honest... When you sin, recognize you've sinned against a holy God. And that's what matters most. But our desire should be not to say, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. Our desire should be, Lord, convict me of my sin and create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That should be our desire. So this morning as we close the message... And we think about the game, red light, green light. I said we weren't going to play a game, but the reality is we're all playing right now. We're all playing the game right now of red light, green light. You know exactly if God's telling you right now, go. And if he's telling you go, whatever that circumstance he's telling you to go in, you can align it in scripture and know that it's the right thing. You know right now if God said stop. It may be a loud, clear stop, but it may be something as simple as you keep stumbling past the stop even though he's told you not to do it. It doesn't have to be a huge sin. It can be something as the sin of this lady wasn't photography. The sin wasn't making a little extra money. The sin was God had told her not to do it, yet she did it anyway. How many times do we do it anyway because we don't classify it as a real sin? Listen, if God said don't do it, it's a real sin. But for most of us, in the game of red light, green light, the part we struggle with the most is the weight. We either struggle with it because we're so busy going in our own direction we don't even hear. Or when we do hear, we clumsily stumble ahead trying to get just a little bit further. Psalm 62, the Psalm of David, he writes this in verse 5 through 8 and we'll close. He said, My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. I don't know where you're at this morning, but in the game of red light, green light, I can't answer where you're at, but you can. Listen to God. Do what he's telling you to do. If you struggled in the weight, don't call it a mistake. Call it a sin. And if we have sin, follow David's example in Psalm 51 to confess it and ask God to cleanse you and give you a pure heart and create in you a clean heart and restore unto you the joy of your salvation and uphold you with thy free spirit. See, there's no better way to run the Christian life than have the joy of our salvation. And sin will rob you of the joy of your salvation. Heed what God would have you to do. We'll have a brief invitation. I know we've got several things going on. But as she plays this morning on the piano, just right where you're at, I'd ask that you just bow your head and just ask yourself, Lord, where am I in the message this morning? Am I so busy running and going that I don't even stop to ask you what you think? Am I pursuing and chasing after things that don't even matter? Lord, am I so busy that I can't even hear you say stop when you say stop. If that's the case, can I encourage you to just slow down? And maybe this morning there's a specific sin that God called out. It's a clear sin. And it's one that he says stop. Praise the Lord that he's a God of as many chances as it takes to get it right. Praise the Lord that our reliance to live the Christian life is not dependent upon our own strength, but it's dependent upon His strength, as David proclaimed. And for me, if I'm being honest, the place I struggle with the most is the weight. Lord, help me not to stumble forward and call it a mistake. Help me to call it a sin for what it is and lay that before you. I'll say as she continues to play, the altar's open. If anybody needs to come to the altar, i also ask if there be one here this morning that doesn't know the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior. Today's the day He's calling out to you with a desire for you to be saved. He says, I want you to experience the joy of an abundant Christian life. And the only way you can experience that is to know me as your personal Lord and Savior. So if that's you today and you need to be saved, don't hesitate. Know that that conviction is coming from a holy God that loves you more than you can imagine and he's just asking for you to take a step of obedience towards him.